Welcome, everyone, to a joyous edition of BAMS Radio. And we say that, and though Nick Saban has won many football games at, in his time at Alabama, and of course, uh, you know, he wins yet another national, or I should say SEC championship, will play for another national championship in the college football playoff. The Alabama Crimson Tide saved their best for the biggest stage, and they play their most complete game of the season in vanquishing Kirby Freeze, I mean Smart, and the Georgia Bulldogs for the fourth straight time in their head-to-head matchups. I believe it's seven in a row now for Alabama over the Dogs. And Alabama is now two wins away from a 19th national championship and, of course, an eight for Nick Saban and number seven at Alabama. But what a win for the Crimson Tide. An exact identical result from a year ago, and who would have thought that? 41-24 to as Alabama vanquishes the Georgia Steel Curtain and the supposed greatest defense in the last decade and a, an Alabama team that was banged up that, you know, was really one-dimensional, played an outstanding football game, and Bryce Young looks to be the fourth Heisman Trophy winner now in the University of Alabama storied history and the first quarterback to win the award as he put together an SEC championship game performance for the ages. And we said that was one of the keys. He would have to have a Heisman-type game, and certainly he did, as Bryce Young, 26 of 44, 421 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, but he also used his legs, three rushes, 40 yards, and a touchdown. And the Alabama Crimson Tide vanquished the Georgia Bulldogs after a rough first quarter, but they go on a huge run, score 24 points in the second, and then they run away and hide a little bit in the second half. And we'll break it all down tonight, and we'll even talk about a huge breakthrough hoops win in the Battle of Seattle. But we're going to be joined with by Thomas Watts, the wizard, uh, out in the city of Mobile in the Port City, he produces for us. He's going to give us his thoughts on the, the huge win for the University of Alabama. And, of course, from 89 to 93, a 1992 national champion, William Redfish Barger. Can't wait to hear his thoughts on this Bama offensive line that finally put together a performance everybody had been waiting on at the best possible time. And, uh, guys, I'll bring you in, William. Uh, I mean, I'm stunned. I didn't see this coming. I picked Georgia. I think we all did. Uh, this was a front that has struggled all year in pass pro, but shows you what focus, intensity, and attention to detail can do as the University of Alabama, once again, is the boogeyman for Georgia. Georgia, the one thing we wondered is their schedule. Would it catch up to them? Have they played a difficult enough uh, schedule to be ready for Alabama? Would uh, the grind of the Western Division, you know, be a, be a something for Alabama to that would be kind of a feather in their cap. Would it be an, turn out to be an advantage? And it did, as Alabama's schedule was much more difficult. Uh, and when the going got tough and they punched Georgia in the face, Georgia flinched. And uh, yeah, just uh, give your initial thoughts on this win. No, hey, look, I, I've already um, uh, I talked to a uh, a coworker of mine that I had initially on Monday. Uh, made a hundred dollar bet on um, that, that Georgia was going to win uh, last night on my way home from the game, and I said, "Look, you know, I'll take my crow deep fried with a side of mashed potatoes and gravy Monday at work." Um, 
but you know, you just hit on a lot of things, Drew, that that I totally agree with. And you know, we can get into this a little bit deeper later on about a possible you know rematch. But you know, one thing that I, I have you know I think said on this show or certainly said out loud um, throughout the course of the season was, you know, I, I felt like, yes, I mean, Georgia's, you know, front seven is legit. Um, I certainly think they missed Adam Anderson's presence last night. But I, I felt like I wanted to see some film evidence of, you know, how that, that, that defense, I felt like their back end, um, you know, was suspect to a team that could stretch the field on them. And you know that, that's there's a lot of things that go into that from being successful. You got to have the offensive line that can pass block for, you know, two and a half three seconds to give you know the wide receivers time to to get open. Um, you know that that proved to be a boogeyman for Georgia. Number one, number two, it's it's obvious. Uh, Thomas and I were talking about this um, before you came back on before we started recording that the SEC East is just complete dog shit. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, if, if, if Texas A&M loses their bowl game, they're a five-loss team, but they were able to, you know, and, and they're going to finish, you know, second to last in the in the SEC West, and they were good enough to beat Alabama. So, I, you know, I, I think that's something that's, you know, really worth talking about. But the other thing is, Drew, um, the the thing that I I think might have been, you know, one of the biggest contributing factors to, you know, Alabama being able to pull off, considering the fact that they were an underdog, I'm going to call them that, um, an upset in in an upset in a big way. I mean, they they didn't just beat Georgia; they beat their ass. Um, the the Georgia offense, at least what we saw yesterday is so methodical and slow and, and prodding, you know, it, it gave, you know, it allowed Pete Golding to substitute freely um, to look at what they were doing and, 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 you know, substitute. And that, that was an issue for them, um, you know, which is surprising to me because, you know, good old, uh, I'm not going to call him the same thing you do. I like fourth and Kirby. Um, he had, he had a, a fourth down, you know, uh, shit the bed moment last night as well. Um, it wouldn't be Kirby without one. No, no, no. But, but you know, he – I don't fear that same team ever again in a rematch as long as he goes with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I mean, look, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. Um, you know, the, the, the George defense is what got exposed, but – Basically, Stetson Bennett's performance last night, you know, at least if you look at the final score, it was a carbon copy of what you saw last year versus Georgia. Um, You know, he he threw two interceptions. One of them was a pick six, and he was, you know, lucky that, you know, battle dropped the other one. Um, You know, those are very, you know, key contributing factors. And, you know, the same, same thing I thought when we did this show last Sunday, um, and I still live in fear of, you know, the Georgia tight end room. 
but you know that that Brock Bowers is you know just phenomenal. But everything else, and, and in fact, I told a, my best friend when I left his house last night, I said, "Hey, I know I'm not Catholic, but I'm I'm going to meet you at 11 a.m. Mass today. Talking about today." And and repent against all my sins for you know doubting Coach Saban, um, it, it, you know just it, it's not a smart hot take um, to ever doubt the greatest of all time. And you know Drew, I think it was either Tuesday afternoon or Monday morning of last week. I got a text from somebody that I don't trust, um, claiming that Saban had brought Joe Pendry in. And, you know, like I said, it comes from somebody that I don't really trust. But based on the way that the Alabama offensive line performed yesterday, um, I'm, I'm kind of convinced now that it's true. Um, you know, the, the way they played yesterday versus the best front seven, um, regardless of the final score, that was the best front seven that they faced all year. And you know, Bryce was able to operate, um, you know, they, they couldn't even get pressure on him um, in their normal, you know, front. They had to bring the linebackers before they could disrupt everything. I mean, it, it was – I looked at my best friend of almost 35 years when it, when it went to halftime last night, and I said, you know what, I don't even care how the the, the final score is. Based on what I saw in the first half, I'm good. I mean, I didn't think this team was capable of this. Um, it, it was just, you know, something really unexpected, something that was great to watch. Um, you know, there again, you know, I, I've got to figure out a way. i got to get to Catholic Mass at some point, even though I'm not Catholic, um, to, to apologize to Coach Saban for, a, for doubting him and the product that he puts on the field, because, you know, if this team with how they've, you know, their body of work and how they've, you know, been such an up and down roller coaster team all year for them to win the West and win the SEC championship, you know, against insurmountable odds based on what all the media experts said, um, you know, it's unbelievable. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of speechless about the whole thing. And, you know, there's, there's a, you know, if I was going to hand out game balls, um, they'd all be on the offensive side of the football. I mean, look, we, I think we've all been around and watched the last three years. I mean, our boy Pete Golding gets this defense tuned up every year, you know, sometime between November 1st and Thanksgiving. So what you saw should be expected, but, the way the offensive line performed, uh, the way Bryce Young performed, the way that, you know, there, there's no other options, especially I think, you know, we, we can get into whatever, you know, did or didn't happen to um, Trey Sanders. It looked to me like he got knocked out stone cold. Um, obviously, you know, the loss of Mechie is a huge blow, but I, I think they can scheme around that. But, I mean, just – disbelief on my part as an Alabama fan watching that whole thing unfold. I mean, unbelievable. Um, I, I, like I said, I take my hat off to Nick Saban. Um, 
you know, limited leadership on this team. It, it showed up and stepped up yesterday. But I, I was at halftime yesterday more shocked than I was in 2008 in the Georgia blackout game, which was kind of the, you know, there's there's former Alabama coaches that I won't name right now. One of them may end up to be, uh, uh, you know, getting a new head coaching job. Um, that that refers to that blackout game, and and they said there should be a painting hung up in the the football complex, referring to it as the turning point, both in recruiting and on the field. But uh, <laughs> unbelievable! I, I I've never been that shocked, excited. Um, you know, knowing I got to go to work tomorrow and eat a plate of freaking fried crow or whatever they served me up, but it, it was just unbelievable, Drew. It was. I mean, it was. It was the uh, performance that you you thought could be possible, but you just you weren't sure that it would happen this time. And the injuries had a lot to do with it too. And then, as you said, they got another significant one to John Mechie. Looks like he has torn his ACL, and he will be out for the college football playoff. And now his future will be interesting. He finishes the season, guys, with a team high ninety six catches. 1142 yards nearly 12 yards per catch eight touchdowns and of course he had a touchdown to put Alabama up 14 to 10 in that game uh and so uh but but I'll tell you what the one that they can't afford to lose and it was just and and, then when they didn't have him for the majority of the Auburn game it, it played out uh and really hamstrung this offense is is that is the guy to me that as I've seen him develop this year, I've seen everybody just about fellas, and he needs to win the Bolitnikoff Award. Uh, his numbers are stunning. And I say all this because we saw Jerry Judy. We saw what Devontae Smith did last year and winning the Heisman. We saw Jalen Waddle when he was healthy. Uh, we saw Henry Ruggs and his explosiveness. But just think about these numbers, gentlemen, and I'll let uh, – Thomas com- comment on this. Uh, we heard William, and William can also chime in afterwards. But for the season right now, for Jamison Williams, the transfer out of the portal for from uh, Ohio State, and, and I'll say this: he's rapidly becoming as big an impact guy as Landon Dickerson. But 68 receptions, guys, 1,445 yards, 21.3 yards per catch, with 15 total touchdowns. And that doesn't even bring into account what he did as a kickoff returner to the point where now they won't even kick to him. He has the kind of explosive speed that you just can't coach. It's almost like a Jalen Waddle. When he caught that ball, the first touchdown to get Alabama rolling, there was a guy that had an angle on him. And as soon as I saw him catch the ball, it's like, he's gone. There's no way that guy was going to be able to catch him. He did it again later in the game. Kirby in those corners. Alabama was able to exploit those corners, and that was a matchup we wondered about with Kylie Ringo and 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 uh, Kendrick from uh, Clemson. So, Jamison Williams, to me, it will be a crime if he doesn't win the Bolitnikoff Award, Thomas. Well, uh, short answer is yes, but uh, you know, it sounds a lot like Bolitnikoff's up in the air, and every defensive award that Will Anderson's eligible for, he might also not be receiving. But uh, Jamison Williams is a big part of the Alabama offense. You know, he's had his statistics. But 
Alabama fans r- really need to understand what he does. If William Williams is that guy that makes safeties play off of him, makes safeties play deeper. So that can open up the run game. That can open up the short pass game. In a lot of ways, it opens up John Mechie or a, a Jaleel Billingsley or a Slade Bolden because you're not just going to be able – to squat on everything because if you squat on every pass route, well, you get what happened on the 55-yard touchdown. Uh, uh, Jameson Williams, excuse me, said in an interview, he's like, I read they were going to bracket me, and we had curl routes on, and so they were going to squat on the curl. And they audibled. Bryce Young ripped it. Great protection by the offensive line. 55-yard touchdown. That's what Jameson Williams is for this Alabama offense. Without him – the field compresses, the windows get tighter, and the offense can still be efficient, but it's certainly not going to be as explosive. So, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the Georgia game last week, and I, I'm right there with you, William, with some crow. I'll take it with some hot sauce. But you really have to break down why you thought what you thought beforehand and what ended up happening. And if you told me that the Alabama offense offensive line would barely give up decent pressures. And really the guy that hasn't gotten a lot of pub so far in that group is Brian Robinson. Like that dude was an animal in pass pro on one, on one leg. On one leg. I mean, dude is walking around on one leg and just uh, linebacker comes up the A gap and Brian Robinson launches him back into Tuscaloosa just consistently able to do that. That wasn't something that I thought could happen, so I thought the Alabama offense would bog down. Once that didn't happen, you saw this Georgia secondary get stressed. Drew, you mentioned the 67-yard touchdown. That was a spark. And Kirby Smart and I believe other people, I think Gary Danielson on the telecast said that has to be a bust. He is way too wide open. But suddenly – as Bryce Young got time and the offense fell into a rhythm, they were able to really start bashing on Georgia's offense – or Georgia's defense, excuse me. And really what was astonishing to me after that second quarter is Alabama ran 42 plays. They were mixing in tempo. They were having success. And Jordan Davis, you know, Goliath of the Georgia defensive line, yeah, he was eating up the run. But he was just like, watch him on the touchdown to Mechie. He just kind of stood there. He was gassed at that point. So He was done by the second quarter, Thomas. Exactly. And so you watch this game, and it's, it's astounding how big a step the offensive line took for this one contest. And, you know, that offensive line let the Alabama offense be the best version of itself – and frankly, I think the offense could even get a little bit, you know, better, but in a different way with a healthy Brian Robinson. I mean, this is a beat-up team. You know, Trey Sanders is – I think he got his head knocked off late in the game last night. Brian Robinson needs some time to get healthy. And then there are the dings and, you know, bumps and bruises of what is, I believe, the, the hardest schedule in the country. Uh, ESPN put up a graphic that – Their FPI, which I have questions about, but I'll leave the mathematics to another podcast, 
Alabama was 9-1 and one against the FPI top 40. And how Michigan was almost number one when they were only 5-1 and one against the FPI top 40, I'm going to need someone a lot smarter than me to explain. But we'll just, again, put that in a box, put it on the shelf. But that's the grind that Alabama's going to have to recover from. So, you know, I don't think that I expect this level of offensive performance against a Cincinnati or should Alabama beat Cincinnati against a Michigan or a Georgia again. But I certainly think that this offense, when healthy, minus unfortunately John Mechie, has a chance to get Alabama back to the promised land. And given the trials and tribulations and the variance of this football team, I don't know how you as an Alabama fan can be upset with where Alabama is. I mean, let's let's be very re- honest here, Drew. With Alabama beating Georgia, Cincinnati is a very beatable team. I think they're a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. And the winner of the Michigan-Georgia game, those two teams are going to beat the crap out of each other because both of those teams want to beat the crap out of their opponent. So they're going to come in having just had the crap kicked out of them against an Alabama team that will probably be riding high. So from two weeks ago, blow up everything, the coaches are stupid, Alabama's not going to beat Georgia, to I would argue the prohibitive favorite for the national championship is a hell of a transformation for this football team as we look back on the entire season, Drew. Well, and I'm going to tell you this. I know we've, we're talking mostly about the offense, and I'm going to have William talk about Steph McLaughlin and the O-line and, and the, that offensive group here in a second, but I'm going to pay homage to some folks on the defensive side that have played well, and they've taken some shit from me. They've taken some heat from the fan base, but they are playing much better, and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to my guy Henry Toa Toa. I've always been a fan of his. He's got a hundred tackles now. I don't give a damn. You know, if people want to say he's out of position some, but if you make a hundred tackles, you're doing something right. And he's played a lot better the last month. Thought he played well yesterday. I think he's providing really good leadership. He's a good football player. He's an improvement over Dylan Moses at the position because Dylan was not healthy last year and. Just never really adapted to going from weak side to Mike. I thought he and I, and I thought and I think Henry's played well, and uh, two other guys, Jordan Battle. He had the pick six. He had nearly another one. I thought he played a really solid game yesterday. And remember, they were without their best corner. Jalen Armour Davis warmed up again, but he did not play. He should be back for the playoff, which will be big for Alabama. And the one that I really got to give a shout out to, and William bragged on his ass last week. And they don't give you a vote for the MVP of the, on defense of the SEC championship game. But if I had one, it would have been DeMarco Helms. He had nine tackles yesterday. He had a huge pass breakup where he got that freak Brock Bowers to, to drop a ball when he hit him in the back of the end zone. And then, of course, he had an interception of his own. So I thought he really played well back there, guys. And, th- and I thought the defense, for the most part, after the slow start, Really settled in. I thought they did. Hell, I I wish I could predict the future so I'd be rich as hell. But if you had told me that Alabama wasn't going to give up any sacks, because what are the what were, what were the odds of that going into that game, and that Alabama was going to outrush Georgia, I'd have won thousands and thousands of dollars because Alabama did both of those things. And I just wanted to give a shout out to those three guys on defense. I thought they played really well. 
And another special shout-out to my guy, LeBron Ray. He was in the backfield a lot yesterday, and he played his role. He's a dude that I hope can become a super senior next year and come back because I think he's just now starting to get consistent and play well. Well, look, I, I, I think this, um, regardless of what happens with the, the, the 2021 football team going forward from yesterday, you know, I, I think we can, you know, all three of us can probably agree that, you know, as Alabama fans, we're playing with house money. Um, I don't, I don't think any of us thought this team was going to be in that position. Um, number one, number two, you know, Drew, I'm I'm going to take it one step further and, you know, start speculating, you know, and I mean, I hate to do this, but it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a greedy bastard and that's what I do. But, you know, if, if they can get a little bit better in the, on the back end of that defense um, for 2022 um, and, you know, find two, you know, serviceable offensive tackles, um, we, we really don't know at this point in time who those two cats are on offense, you know, where, you know, Alabama can go. And I, I don't expect the performance that you saw yesterday from, from, you know, any level of the three levels of, of Alabama's football team, offense, defense, special teams. But, you know, if you can just, you know, give Bryce, you know, three seconds on offense, um, you know, he, he's going to find a guy or he's going to take off and run and, and do it on his own. And, you know, I, I fully agree with what we were talking about. Um, I, I, you know, he, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy and, and have a damn good chance at, at winning it two years in a row next year unless somebody that we don't know about on another team really emerges and, you know, flashes next year. Um, but you know, that defense, you know, when you've got, um, you know, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner coming back, um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen, you know, with the two inside linebacker positions, you know, in my opinion, they both need to come back, but we'll see what happens. But if they can just get, you know, not even significantly better, but just, you know, shore up some stuff on the back end of that defense, this is going to be you know, a much better production um, than what you saw this year. Um, you know, there again, you know, well, what's going to happen with John Mechie? Um, but the the thing that, you know, blows me away is, you know, this was going to be, you know, the biggest challenge that Alabama, you know, has seen all year. Um and, you know, this is two years in a row. I mean, it didn't surprise me last year because he was such a good uh, physical player at center. You know, when, when, when Landon Dickerson, you know, kind of, you know, kept uh, Godzilla, Jordan Davis in check last year, that didn't really surprise me because Landon Dickerson, minus the knee injury, is a first-round draft pick. But, you know, for – 275-pound Seth McLaughlin and the left guard and the right guard, you know, surrounding him was able to basically keep him, you know, to the same production. Um, and, and Alabama was able to rush for over 100 yards. I mean, it wasn't a consistent 
you know, prolific running attack, but when they needed to run, um, you know, they got those tough four and five yards. Um, I totally agree with what Thomas said um, about Brian Robinson. Um, you know, for him to come out there and contribute in that game and do the things that he did, man, that cat's a freaking warrior. Um, you, you can win a lot of football games with with somebody with Brian Robinson's toughness. You know, hated to see what happened to Mechie, um, but I, I agree with what your your comments and thoughts are on, you know, Jamison Williams. I mean, you know, that guy's so fast, um, you know, that, that, that you know, kind of long, I call it a long kind of drag crossing route over the middle that he caught. Uh, you know, on Alabama's first touchdown pass. And as soon as he caught it, you know, I looked at my, my Auburn buddy that I was watching the game with, and I said, shit, this guy's gone. And, you know, the guy had the angle, and he never – the only way that play is not a touchdown is if, if Jameis, you know, steps out of bounds. And, you know, it was just great. It was just a great game to watch. And, you know, of course, you know, you got to see all the the banner with the media after the football game when, you know, Nick Saban says, you know, the rat poison that all you idiots put out this past week was, you know, tasted real yummy to me. Um, it's, it's, it's just rarefied air as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think this has probably been the most challenging team for Nick Saban to manage. Um, you know, I think as fans, we saw it all play out over the course of the season. You know, you know, if you want to start talking about numbers, um, you know, and I think that's something that Alabama benefited from and, and Georgia, you know, was hindered by. You know, if you want to start talking about, you know, playing an, an SEC East schedule versus an SEC West schedule, you know, if, if Texas A&M doesn't win their bowl game, Drew, they're a five-loss team that somehow found a way to beat Alabama. I mean, that's that's crazy. And, you know, go, th- go through that. You know, Auburn, you know, took Alabama to the to overtime. Um, you know, LSU, you know, they, they, they put up a fight and made Alabama do everything that they could to beat them. Um, you know, I think, you know, Alabama benefited from uh, – you know, Will Anderson, you know, knocking the the uh, rotator cuff out of, of Mississippi State's quarterback, uh, Will Rogers. Um, you know, they're a solid team. They, they, they can sneak up and beat on somebody. I, I think that's, you know, something that's worth talking about down the road is, you know, just how good is the SEC West versus the SEC East? Um yeah, I don't even think it's a a debatable product. Yeah, I mean, I it is. I mean, I, I was laughing before the game. I, mean, I read something somewhere where uh, somebody was trying to justify that the SEC West was mediocre because Auburn was six and six, and Alabama struggled with a six and six Auburn team, and struggled with a six and uh, six and six LSU team, and struggled with Arkansas, and we see where that got everybody. And the thing is, but what what you've got to understand is the entire fucking division, and pardon my French, is bowl eligible. So it, it's a it's a shark tank. 
they all beat up on each other and they and it's then it's a difficult uh you know a, a path to navigate and it's a lot more difficult than Vanderbilt Missouri uh you know and and Florida this year Florida was not very good uh, even though they did push Alabama early before they completely fell apart but when you've got South Carolina they're not very good so I mean, I just don't think Georgia was tested. And that Clemson team ended up not being nearly what they were, we're used to seeing there. And that opens up another conversation because Brent Venables is now going to Oklahoma. What is Dabo going to do for his Stonewall Jackson? Because a lot of his program success was built on bringing in Brent Venables and what he did defensively. And so now Clemson's going to have to have a new voice on defense as well. So really interesting dynamics here. Uh, I think the, the coordinators have both proven themselves. Certainly, I've given Pete Golding a lot of heat, but he's done a nice job. I've given, uh, you know, uh, and, and I've been, you know, I've, I've defended Bill O'Brien, and I still will, but I know there's been some calls that I even disagreed with, but that, that's with everybody. I think Bill's done a nice job. I think Doug Marone, along with Joe Pendry, they put their heads together. They got the O-line to play at a higher level. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, there's going to be some attrition where this coaching staff goes. But I do think it's a good staff. I still think it's as good as anybody's in college football. And the thing is, I, and William, I wanted to ask you this, too. And uh, uh, before we go back to get some thoughts from Thomas, with what with with Seth McLaughlin and what he did, he's a third center. He really handled, you know, they, their interior really well. What was it that he did that made it that, 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 from a standpoint of uh, from his technique, from his, the way from his level of play that made him so effective? And then, and, and really, I, I, people were talking about how the O line looked like so much better with him in the pivot. But what did he do that stood out to you? Uh, I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on that. And also, I mean, just as uh, you know, we we talk about this uh, offensively with this coaching staff. What, where do you where do you see you know this offense you know going? I know we talked about John Mechie not being there, but with a month to prepare, I mean, how do you kind of see some of these skill guys stepping up and, and having kind of expanded roles? Well, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, you know, when you know they had to go to you know the the unexpected rotation that they did versus Auburn. Um, you know, the, the things that I saw from, from Seth McLaughlin and, you know, I would love to know somebody that's got an accurate weight on this guy. To me, yeah. he's, you know, somewhere between 275, max 285. So you, you factor that in and, you know, there again – you know, I don't know what the accurate weight is on Jordan Davis. I mean, it's yeah. it's somewhere between 350 and 385. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I saw him get bounced around a few times like a pinball yesterday. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was basically able to, you know, slow that guy down enough on, on a number of reps, especially in the first half, to where – you know, Jordan Davis had the same production um, yesterday, you know, four tackles um, that he had versus Landon Dickerson. And, you know, Landon's 
you know, at least on paper and film. And you know, he's a much bigger guy than Seth McLaughlin. But I, I, I think, you know, where, where you go from here um, is, you know, I think Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien was able yesterday versus Georgia to, to find out that, you know, this offense, um, you know, via the offensive line and, and Bryce Young, that's where it all starts. They're much more effective and efficient, you know, running a hurry up, you know, up-tempo mm-hmm. offense. You know, that was a yeah. big, big differentiator yesterday um, versus Georgia, the way that they were able to go up-tempo and, um, you know, you saw Bryce being a little bit more willing to run, um, he, he, you know, as, as an Alabama fan, it was, it was great to sit there and watch, uh, you know, them win an SEC championship when, hell, myself, you and Thomas, everybody else included, all the national media didn't think it was possible. Um, you know, not only did they win an SEC championship, but Bryce Young won himself the Heisman. And, you know, they can, you know, keep that continuity on the offensive line and and give him, you know, two and a half, three seconds to process stuff. He's going to distribute that football. You know, another guy that I owe an apology to based on what he did yesterday, Slade Bolden. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Especially especially after the, the, uh, the injury to John Mechie um, stepped up. Um, look, there's no doubt on that, you know, angle route that they did to the right sideline. Um, if that had been, you know, Jameis Williamson or John Mechie or, or Trevon Holden, whoever else, um, it wouldn't even have been a contested call. Um, but you know what? Slade Bolden steps up and does his part. And, you know, I owe him an apology. Um, you know, for, for his contribution to this program. Um, but, you know, it was just amazing to sit there as an Alabama fan and watch that game unfold. Um, you know, I, I haven't been probably as vocal as, as you and Thomas have been about, you know, Pete Golding, but, you know, he, he damn sure isn't the – he's not going to get in the, the, the top three remarks for me as far as – Alabama's defensive coordinators, but he does have a trendable product that you can start, you know, tracking starting on November the 1st in his tenure as Alabama's defensive coordinator. He he gets them to play and, uh, you know, gets them in the right places and stuff. But, you know, really other than, you know, Georgia being successful, um, you know, throwing whatever route Brock Bowers, um, you know, the, the Georgia freak show, true freshman tight end wants to run, which, you know, makes it difficult for the inside linebackers and the safeties um, to throw yesterday. I mean, that defense got after Georgia's ass and, and did a great job. I mean, um, I, I love seeing my man, uh, Tim Smith, uh, flashing as much as he did. Um, you know, they did do a pretty good job of keeping Will Anderson in check, but, you know, he flashed when he had to and and made plays. Um, it it was just a great day to be an Alabama fan. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful 
um, you know, I, I'll never forget this uh, moment after the the 2008 recruiting class. That's kind of when I stopped giving a, a, a shit or uh, stressing over recruiting. But at the same time, man, I mean, we got to all figure out at some point, we, we've got the greatest of all time head coach. And he put that product out there on the field yesterday and, and, and brought it home for all of us. He did. Thomas, I was going to bring you in. Did you, I felt like Georgia did blitz some, but not a lot. Did, I felt like that, you know, Kirby did what he usually does. He he depends on his front for pressure. They did average three and a half sacks per game going into the game yesterday <laughs> with three, four, and five man pressures. But Alabama was able to handle it. Uh, you know, is and then I, he just like Nick Saban's D at times, the middle of the field can be exploited. And I thought Alabama did that against Georgia. What were your thoughts on how Kirby kind of approached the game defensively and what Alabama did on offense to uh, move the football. Well, I think that a lot of what has made the Georgia defense so good is that you can't run on the you can't run on this this group, and the linebackers are good enough in space to where if you try and do like a screen or something like that, it's one or two yards. What I saw a lot of for this Alabama offense was on first and second down, you were having small positive plays. Uh, I believe the 67-yard touchdown to Jamison Williams was on a third and two. Well, let's think about what happens on a third and two. Well, the entire pass book, the entire passing game is still open. And even though it's against Georgia and Alabama struggled in short yardage, running the ball is not off the table. So it's not like the Georgia front can just get into a track stance, turn it up to 11, and go get number nine. So I thought the Alabama offense, in terms of a game plan, was excellent. That They wanted, instead of what Alabama's offense has done in the previous games versus this one, is that very frequently Alabama would be in third and 10, third and nine, <coughs> third and 12. I don't remember Alabama doing that as much. I thought there were a lot of second and threes, second and fours, second and fives, third and threes, third and fours, third and six, third and six, and that's kind of long. But it made Georgia play honest. There was a threat of a run. Any quadrant, any part of the field could be attacked. And because of that, Georgia couldn't key on one thing. Like They couldn't just, as I said with Jamison Williams, they couldn't just squat on the curls. They couldn't just squat on the square ends or you know whatever and set up a situation where Bryce Young would have to have absolutely perfect passes to get conversions. Instead, Alabama was able to fall into a rhythm. I think tempo, like Williams said, is a big deal for this Alabama offense. I, I still don't think this offensive line as a group is elite, and it will never be elite. But if you can just let them get out there, let Bryce Young be a field general, get your get in the play, get the ball snapped, keep a guy like Jordan Davis on the field, because Jordan Davis, let's be honest, he is absolutely worthless in a passing situation. I mean, he is Terrence Cody, but worse in that situation. And so Alabama was able to exploit that. So w with Alabama able to have success on early downs, 
it opened up later downs. And even if Georgia's offense stood, Georgia's defense, excuse me, stood tall, and that's really what you saw when Alabama kind of hit the brakes or slowed down toward the back half of the third quarter and part of the fourth quarter, where Georgia's defense was forcing third and longs. In that case, a couple of guys made plays. As much as you love the 67-yard touchdown and all the other big plays in that game, Drew, I can say with a straight face, if Slade Bolden doesn't make that circus catch on, I believe, either second and long or third and long with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, that game doesn't feel a lot different because Georgia was moving the ball methodically, and they were just a score and an onside kick away from getting kind of making things real nervous in Bama land. So Alabama was able to have early success and still maintain balance, but even if they weren't, individual players made great plays. Now moving forward, Alabama's got three weeks to figure out a successor to John Mechie. Uh, whether John Mechie chooses to come back and play again for Alabama, how his ACL affects his NFL draft grade, I'm not going to speculate on that. But for, you know, Jamison Williams needs an underneath guy, essentially. Needs a guy that can run good routes and make himself available to be an, to be an underneath threat. Or if Jamison Williams runs short, at least run something intermediate to deep. Essentially, Jamison Williams needs a bash brother. And that's what he had with John Mechie. That's now gone. Alabama has wide receiver talent. Somebody's got to step up in bowl practice. But, yeah, Drew, overall, I think one of the guys we haven't given a hat tip to, I think this was Bill O'Brien's best game plan. You know, a little bit of tempo, keep Georgia's defense off balance, and as you started to get Georgia's defense off balance, pop them over the top of the Jamison Williams Maybe the best throw of the game was that late second quarter throw to John Mechie where I think Christian Leary ran the wrong route and there was just a cluster of dudes on the uh, sideline. But Mechie was the only guy that could have caught that pass from Bryce Young for like maybe 25, 30 yards. When you do stuff like that, and this is really the genesis of my point of elite offense beats elite defense. When you do things like that, no defense has the personnel to consistently combat that, and you keep giving those kinds of offenses enough bites at the apple, and that's what Georgia did. They had 41 points scored on them. Now, do I think that Alabama is going to be able to consistently put up 40 on this Georgia defense? I still think that's kind of a stretch. But if you, again, I want to reiterate the point. If you let an offense keep stacking up plays and having success that's at the level that Alabama's offense is, you're going to lose. Even if you put Alabama's 2011 defense out there, statistically the best defense of the past 35 or 40 years, and you know, it starts at Oklahoma's 85 defense, it ends at Alabama's 2011 defense and modern defensive excellence over a season or you put out the Alabama 2015-2016 defenses whose Havocs rate were through the absolute roof, those defenses, particularly that defense, the last one I, last defense I talked about, as good as they were, Deshaun Watson tore them to pieces. That is exactly what Bryce Young just did to Georgia, and really that's Kirby Smart's Achilles heel. 
until he's willing to accept that five-star offensive talent, particularly at the quarterback position, will beat every single defense you can throw at it if you give it enough tries, Georgia will not win a national championship in college football. Take it to the bank, Drew. Well, I'm, I hope I can. I mean, I I enjoyed getting to tweet Herschel Walker again yesterday. I uh, certainly have as much respect for Herschel as anybody that ever played, but it also means that Georgia lost to Alabama again. And, you know, they they still haven't won a championship since 1980. Haven't won a SEC since 2005. Alabama 29 SEC championships now. And Nick Saban's had such a remarkable run, uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, you know, what he's done uh, from that standpoint, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's. I believe that is the uh, the seventh SEC championship for Nick Saban, or eighth, I should say, uh, because he won it in 2009. He won it in 2012. Uh, you know, won it in 2014 and 15 and 16. Uh, then winning it all uh, in 2018 and then 20 and 21. So he's just had a remarkable run in Tuscaloosa uh, with the six national championships, eight SECs. And now we'll be going after national title number seven. It's remarkable. They've now been in the playoffs seven out of eight years. And, you know, this year have had so many injuries and it wouldn't be an Alabama game without a significant one. We talked about John Mechie, uh, but hopefully they'll be getting some guys back too. And William, I wanted to ask you this, you know, I've been hearing strongly for a while that if Alabama made the playoff, there's a chance Chris Allen could come back. And I understand what Dallas Turner's done with five and a half sacks and, He's certainly a freshman All-American. Uh, Drew Sanders came back, played quite a bit yesterday as well at weak side. But what could Chris Allen's return do to this defense? It certainly at least would help on third down in a rabbit package, I would think. Well, I mean, I would say that, you know, his return, you know, would be dictated on, you know, just how effective, you know, he would be without taking practice reps, you know, since August or – yeah. You know, early September, number one. Um, number two, I mean, yeah, I mean, if the guy wants to come back and, and, and play, I mean, I would say that, you know, that's like having, you know, that one, you know, gimp-legged play that, that you know, Waddle made versus Ohio State. Um, yeah, you're going to take that. Um, you, you know, you're going to take that. But, you know, for – you know, his future health and, 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 you know, future football career, um, you have to weigh that out and see how it works out, you know, both for, you know, Chris Allen and, you know, Alabama as a program, um, you know, that that's one area where Alabama actually has a lot of good players. Um, I mean, you saw how freely that, you know, Pete Golding substituted, uh, Chris Braswell and, and Drew Sanders yesterday. Um, but, you know, if, if Chris Allen wants to come back and play in the college football playoffs, I would welcome him with open arms. Come on and do it. Yeah, I mean, I would too. Uh, I think he could do a great job. And, you know, at least in a, in a small role, you don't want to push him too, too much because, again, as you said, William, limited playing time, limited practice time. But he could certainly help your pass rush. Uh, you know, I do think Alabama matches up well with Cincinnati. You have to respect your opponent. 
can't just assume that you're going to roll over them. So the attention to detail is going to be important. And they could potentially get a rematch with Georgia, or it could be Michigan. I tend to be like you, Liv. I don't necessarily – it's a good matchup for Georgia in a way because of Michigan's approach. But also, I, I, I tend to agree. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to be easy for Michigan. Uh, or, or uh, you know, Georgia. I don't think that's going to be as, uh, you know, as, you know, I, I, as easy a, a game as some people may predict for the dogs. I mean, I know they'll be motivated. At least they should be uh, from the Alabama loss. But like Thomas said, you know, how are they going to respond? They ha- in, in the years past, they haven't responded all that well after Alabama. So we'll see. Uh, you know, and I think also Jim Harbaugh, he's got his best team. He's got a chance to silence a lot of people, so they're going to be highly motivated. It's really a fascinating matchup, uh, and, you know, it's two kind of old-school offenses. And remember, former Alabama wide receivers coach Josh Gaddis is the OC for Michigan, so going to be interested to see how that that plays out. I'd love to get a shot at Michigan in a national championship game uh, and, and have Georgia watch it on TV again. We'll see if that happens, but certainly you got to give Alabama a ton of credit. And I'll say this, guys, they just had the awards, uh, you know, dinner tonight. William, you're part of that. They named the four permanent team captains. Two of them, of course, uh, upperclassmen, Federian Mathis, a senior, uh, junior Evan Neal. Those are not a surprise. And the other two aren't surprises either. And I think it's why Alabama has a chance to win another national championship because they have the two best players in America. Future Heisman winner Bryce Young named a permanent team captain. And, of course, the incomparable Will Anderson who has 91 tackles now, uh, you know, over 30 tackles for loss. I think he's close to the all-time record for a season. Uh, he may have already equaled it. Uh, I think it's uh, over 32. I'd have to, like, to double-check that. But And he's got now 15 and a half sacks. He played through several blatant holds yesterday and just kept coming, got a sack late, had six tackles. And so he is a permanent team captain. And to me, he is, you know, he and Bryce Young. Bryce, the best offensive player. Will Anderson, the best defensive player. And, and Mel Kuyper comes out today, says, you know, barring an injury, Bryce Young to him is the lock number one pick overall in the 2023 draft. Well, the Alabama could make history because Aaron Suttles responded and said, well, they could go one and two because of Will Anderson. He's heard from scouts that Will could go first or second. So, Alabama's very blessed to have those two young guys and, and uh, as part of this team and the leadership on this team. The leadership has been limited, but you've got two great performers there who bring it every day, and hopefully that's going to give Alabama great focus and preparation going in uh, to this college football playoff. I'll say this. We did our post-game wrap today and our, our college football playoff pairings uh, preview show on my radio station, and i got to give my program director, Steve Moulton, a lot of credit. He was a little down in the dumps. He's a Georgia grad, but he's used to it. And he 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 uh he sat Eli Gold's highlight calls to a beautiful piece of music called the Imperial March, which is Darth Vader. And that's what I enjoy about Alabama. I enjoy them being hated. I enjoy people, you know, having Bama fatigue, and then Alabama doing what they did yesterday. It all goes back to Ric Flair. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right That's now, right. <laughs> Alabama's the boogeyman to Georgia, and they're going to have to live with it for at least another month plus. So we'll see if they can take care of business. We'll certainly see if Alabama can. But it was great. And, uh, and to piggyback off of you guys, 
as you know, we're wrapping this uh, edition of BAMS Radio up. It was probably it was a historic day for Alabama athletics because Alabama became the first university to win to beat two top five teams in college basketball and college football in the same day. Alabama vanquishing number one Georgia, number three beat number one, and then number sixteen Alabama basketball goes on the road and make no mistake, this was a road environment. Eighteen thousand people in Seattle calling it the battle in Seattle. Alabama ninety one, Gonzaga eighty two. Probably, and I know there's a lot of big wins last year, but the biggest win of Nate Oates three years in Tuscaloosa because of the national recognition. Uh, you had 28 points, nine rebounds out of Jaden Shackelford. They played through horrendous officiating that had Noah Gurley, Charles Bediaco, uh, you know, uh, Darius Miles, uh, and, and Juwan Gary, all with four fouls. And J.D. Davidson had a coming out party again, 20 for him, four threes. Highlight real dunks. Alabama wins uh, in Seattle over an outstanding Gonzaga team. And so it was just a really, as they put it, bad day to be a Bulldog and a great day to be a University of Alabama fan. Now Alabama gets a week off for exams, and they will play the University of Houston. Hopefully I will be in attendance for that game next Saturday night at 9 o'clock tip. Another Final Four team, this one coming to Tuscaloosa. It's just so fun right now to be an Alabama fan. And I also want to pay homage one final time, and I will be in attendance, hopefully, God willing, on Wednesday for his memorial. But Cecil Hurt will be laid to rest on Wednesday in Tuscaloosa. Again, we miss Cecil. Uh, the SEC paid great respect to him yesterday in setting up a memorial to him as you got off the elevator into the press box. And he will, you know, it will be a very emotional week, but this has been a very emotional few weeks. And once again, the Auburn win seemed to be for, you know, with Cecil Hurt watching over us and this performance yesterday. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback the great Kurt McNair, who I talked to yesterday. Just wish we could have read what Cecil would have thought because it would have been outstanding. We miss him and uh, God be with he and his family. But again, it's a, a great win for the University of Alabama, two great wins. And Cecil would have been on top of the moon for both of them because he loved football and basketball so much, you know, at the University of Alabama. But for everybody, we appreciate your support of BAMS Radio. William Barger, great job, great thoughts. Thomas Watts, uh, I'm Drew Armin. Everybody, uh, we'll be talking with you again, hopefully next week. We're going to continue to kind of break down Cincinnati, and there will be some recruiting to talk about. We'll probably preview signing day, as I know William will have a lot of info. I'm going to be working the phones trying to find out how this is going to wrap up. Certainly can't help Alabama's momentum right now. It's got to help. Got to look really good right now to recruits with what they saw yesterday. But good night, everybody. Everybody stay safe out there and roll tide.